0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing Drama with Dana Wilkie Uncensored. We have officially moved to Patreon. Here's a sneak peek of Dishing Drama with Dana Wilkie. Hi, everyone. So we have another Memorial Weekend come and go. I hope that you took a minute to honor the people that have passed away uh, and have served the U.S. Armed Forces And had also some quality time with your friends and family. I was recently taught by some of my YouTube watchers that Memorial Day is specifically to celebrate and mourn and honor U.S. military personnel who died while serving in the United States Armed Forces and Veterans Day is to celebrate and honor America's veterans for their patriotism, love for their country and willingness to serve and sacrifice for their country. And I guess I had always merged those holidays and meaning together and I sort of celebrated people who served and you know people who passed while serving both on both holidays. But it turns out that they're very specific and different, and so people that are in the military really appreciate the difference called out. So I wanted to do that on my podcast today in case any other people uh, were confused by that. I wanted to say that very different purposes for the these two different holidays. I mean, all to to honor the military and the bravery of the military, of course. Uh, so anyway, thank you for your service. They, you know, gave the ultimate sacrifice. Um, I have a very special guest today. Her name is Courtney Kaplan. I met her through Thea from Your Moms Are Watching. To say it to you guys, uh, Thea is dropping a book, which is called The Real Housewives Ultimate Trivia Book on Amazon. It releases on September 19, 2023. Uh, you can pre-order it now. It is a fabulous trivia book if you love bravo you know factoids and you want fun games especially to take to bravo con or whatever uh if you don't know who thea is thea was in the entertainment industry for many many years Uh, She was Julia Roberts' associate at her company, her production company, and she also has many family members that serve different positions in the entertainment industry, and Thea and I actually found out by doing a gossip show about Bravo together, oddly, and spilling the tea about our Roberts family experiences and celebrity experiences when we were both partying our ass off in L.A., (laughs) that... Her brother Eric was a big manager back in the day, and I used to hang out with Eric, and we had a mutual best friend, which is so bizarre. Anyway, all tied into the same sort of entertainment circles. Thea went to big parties at you know Leo DiCaprio's house, and I did too, and all this stuff. So we've had gossip sessions about you know what we experienced at these different entertainment events in these different capacities, and over time, I've become friends with Thea. And so I did write uh, a testimony for her book, which I, I was, it's so beautifully done. You guys, you're not going to believe the graphic design. It's not just a trivia book. It's like a cool trivia book. Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. I come to find out that Thea's sister, Courtney Kaplan, was a kind of manager, uh, a talent manager for the pageant circuit for some of the girls that wanted to become Miss California, And the like. And I was like, Thea, does your sister still do this pageant work? Because I'd love to talk to her about understanding pageants to better understand Vanderpump rules and Raquel Levis and Rachel Levis. And she said, "Uh, you know what? Not only does my sister... Courtney Kaplan know that circuit to help you. She still does that. She still does uh, coaching for for talent management for young artists that want to do pageants and other careers into the entertainment industry. But she knows Raquel Levis from back in the day. And she actually can tell you about Rachel Raquel when she was in the pageant circuit. So I was like, oh my gosh, that's huge because this woman's going to have great insight into why this happened with Raquel, AKA Rachel Levis, and Tom Sandoval, and who she is. Is she, you know, because all the fans are speculating around season 10 of Vanderpump Rules. Why? Her behavior seems so unique in the way that she's, you know, acting on the show. Is it edits? Is it really her? Is she diabolical? Is she a good person and like just lost and like, you know, been manipulated by Tom Sandoval? I mean, there's so many theories, right? So I thought maybe Courtney could come on the show today. We could get to know her, and she might also shed some light on this. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Courtney Kaplan in. There
1: she is, Miss America.
0: Good morning. How are you? Hi, Courtney. How are you? (laughs) I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: (laughs) Really great. As you know, I have been, I knew Raquel, and I'll call her that because that's how I knew her um, very well. And I had been tossing and turning and and reading all of this coverage and i i just couldn't keep my mouth shut any longer i needed to not defend her but i needed at least to give her a human voice and you know and and i when i spoke with you about it you were so insightful and you really were focused on getting a bigger picture instead of just you know Stringing her up the flagpole, and you know, just I don't want it to be a mockery about her, and I'm certainly in no way condoning her behavior or her actions, but I needed to come out and and give some some background on her, at least her pageant world and her family that I knew about.
0: Well, and and we definitely are going to talk about that today, and I do want to say that she's been punished a lot. Uh, yeah. It's not like she yeah. hasn't had consequences. For her actions, right? She, you know, broke up a nine-year relationship by dating Tom Sandoval. For those of you that live under a rock and don't know, uh, Tom Sandoval is the star of Vanderpump Rules. He's been on the show since, like, you know, the early years, and uh, essentially uh, he was with this girl named Ariana. There's a whole other background with his other girlfriend, uh, Kristen Doty, that played out on the show. But what you need to know for today's show is he was with this uh, girl who's very loved on the show named Ariana Maddox. They were together in a nine-year relationship. They decided they weren't going to have children, but they were still making preparations in case they were going to. They were close. They seemed to have a good relationship on the show. Uh, The fans were very invested in their relationship. It was a constant storyline as you watch the show. And then suddenly in season 10, off camera, it breaks that he's been cheating with Rachel, uh, a.k.a. Raquel, off the show uh, behind Ariana's back. She doesn't know. He claims they have a terrible relationship and, you know, it's all been a farce what we've been watching on TV. Ariana's like, it's a great relationship. I don't know what we're talking about. It had its issues, but we were working through them. Like, you, you, you don't cheat. You quit the relationship. And she's right, right? (laughs) Needless to say, uh, in all this, Raquel starts dating Tom Sandoval. What really upsets the fans more than anything beyond the cheating is that she seems to be on the show very close to Ariana. So she seems to be like trying to become almost like best friends with Ariana and she's sleeping with her boyfriend. This is where it goes off a cliff for the fans mainly with Rachel, a.k.a. Raquel. I think they could forgive maybe a stranger coming in between Tom and Ariana. They have in the past. I mean, Ariana kind of broke up Kristen Doty in a sense uh, back when Kristen and Tom were unraveling, although it was a much lighter relationship than what Ariana and Tom had. But needless to say, what happened was A lot of the fans felt like, geez, you know, why the hell is she becoming best friends with the girl she's betraying in the worst way possible? So but that said, she's been punished a lot. She's gotten death threats. She's uh, called the FBI allegedly because somebody said they want to pull her apart limb by limb and physically hurt her. She was forced into uh, a mental health facility. Some people say that's a lie. Some people say it's real. Uh, she had to go home at a minimum. Her parents were like, you are coming home from LA. You are not to do any more show stuff and you're, we're hiding you out or whatever. So she's been dragged a lot. I felt like it's time to introduce another possibility for her as to what is happening. And and Courtney is definitely the person to do that and wanted to do that, which is insightful in its own right, because Courtney wanted to have uh, Raquel's back, which says something about Raquel, right, Courtney?
1: <laughs> it really does. And I, you know, worked with hundreds and hundreds of young talent back in the days that I was a manager. And, you know, uh, one of the things that drew me to her uh, was just her unbelievable amount of innocence and sweetness. She was only 19. So a totally different person. But uh, she was reliable. Her family was very generous. Um, we just spent a lot of time together. And I found her, you know, easy to be around, of course. Um, pageant girls are usually very nice. And um, she definitely was not one of the girls I would have ever have thought to be caught in a scandal like this for
0: sure. So tell us a uh- a little bit about I, I, I want to let's just start from the beginning because it's like really easy to go right into Raquel. I want to yeah. know a little bit about your background. Like, you were a matchmaker. You also worked for Eric's talent uh, management business for a while. Tell me about like where you came from.
1: Sure. Well, I grew up with my sister and my brother, and we had actually eight children all together. Um, We grew up in in Western Massachusetts. And then after my parents divorce, I moved to Ohio, became a flight attendant and moved to Los Angeles where my brother had already kind of set up and started working in his business. And my sister, Thea, who had graduated from college, was now working with Julia and also like, you you know, just the big wigs, you know, Harold Ramis and you know, she just had this super exciting life. Eric had a really exciting life as well. And then as a flight attendant, I met my own set of superstars and had my own dates with, you know, very famous people and went to parties at, you know, really famous people's houses. So, you know, for me, I got to lead that kind of really fun, you know, young flight attendant life. So it was cool. And then, um, after I stopped being a flight attendant, I, um, you know, experienced nine eleven like all of us. But it was pretty close to home. I was an American Airlines flight attendant, and my roommate from the training class, who I lived with for six months, uh, six weeks, uh, was actually the first casualty of nine eleven. She was in charge of flight eleven. They killed her first, and that's how they took over the plane. So it was. Oh my very- gosh! What? Yes, yes. Karen Martin was my roommate, and she was in charge of the plane. Betty Ong was in the back. She was a flight attendant as well, of course, and she was calling to operations and telling everybody what was happening play by play, minute by minute. So Karen was in charge of the plane sitting up by the cockpit and they went up in and uh, Atab, I believe stabbed her, took the keys to the cockpit. And that's how they got in and took over the plane.
0: <laughs> okay. So at this moment, I have to stop for a second because I was so floored when Courtney told me that she knew Karen because Karen Martin was from Danvers, Massachusetts, where my family was from. And Her friends and family have done great works around honoring her by helping children in Massachusetts. And I know this because, as I mentioned, my family was active in Massachusetts with lots of charities to help different types of uh, children. And my family has children with disabilities in it and so on. And so they've done work in that. And I was just shocked that she That Courtney knew Karen. Karen was a first-class attendant. She was trying to keep the terrorists from getting the keys to the plane. They stabbed her in the process, and she died either from her stabbing rooms or from when the plane hit building. Anyway, she had a boyfriend in Boston and a a brother in California and a lot of friends in Boston. And uh, so it's just really such a small world when Courtney brought her name up. And I just wanted to take a moment to... uh, Acknowledge her in a deeper way. Okay, back to the interview. So
1: the beginning, the first moments of nine eleven actually started with that uh act of violence on my friend. So it really resonated with me as it did with everyone in the country. But I hung on for a few years and my brother said you know what, can you come and work for my company? And I took to it like a fish to water being the oldest girl in this huge family. I was always used to taking care of everyone and and wanting them to do well. And, and my, I would say my purpose in life is to help people get to where they want to go and help them believe that they can get there. Not just, okay, well, here's, you know, here's some homework. It's how do we get you to believe in yourself? And We got hired by the company that runs Miss California. So each state has its own um, franchise. And my brother's friend was running Miss California. And so as a side gig, I started doing that. So I I would work as a recruiter, a trainer, and a coach for anyone who wanted to come aboard as a pageant. Um, you know, contestant, they had to go through me. I was the gatekeeper, unless you won a pageant and you were wanted to be a contestant at large, which is different than actually winning a title to get into the pageant. I was the gatekeeper and I was the assigner of all the titles. So it mattered uh, if you came into me, where you were from, where you wanted to represent. And there were lots of different ways we could um, decide how to basically start the marketing process on who you were going to be. So I love that um, I did that for a a long time and I got hired actually to work for a company uh, called Events and Adventures, which is a singles activity group. I was a manager and ran the California offices. What we did was we had an event every day. You signed up like a membership to a club and we had all kinds of cool things happening uh, not only in our area, but it's a national company. And we went on international trips. So what a great job. And I don't know. Oh if my gosh.
0: Good. That's you yeah. got, paid for
1: that? <laughs> I got paid for that. Believe me, I'd be still doing it to this day. If they had an office back where I live now in Ohio, I went back to my hometown
0: and I'm living here now.
1: Was that so, in LA
0: the, the matchmaker one?
1: That is where it started. So I got hired out there for that company. And Um, And they had offices in San Francisco where I was living at the time, and I wanted to move back to LA with my daughter. And um, I was recruited by a private, well, a national uh, VIP matchmaking company, because it's the same sort of um, interview that you have with the people that want to come on board, whether it was for events and adventures or the matchmaking. It's a pretty natural transition once you're good at one thing, you can be good at the other. So I got recruited and I I worked on Sunset Boulevard right across from Boa Restaurant. And I was a, a VIP matchmaker for the elite of Los Angeles.
0: Wow. Is that like rich people or famous people? <laughs> or I
1: would say no, no famous people, really. I think they have their own famous people network. And I think, you know, well, they all, um you know, they stay in their own sphere. I would deal with the people who are worth millions of dollars but you know worked really hard don't want to date anyone from like maybe the company they own um, and they find it challenging um, to meet people of that same caliber so they would come to someone like me to to believe that I had a network of people and a lot of being a matchmaker is just convincing people that you not only believe that they're going to find love but that I know the people that can help you find that goal reach that goal of being in a loving relationship
0: did it work? Does it work most of the time? Or was it like not really to spun more?
1: <laughs> Adventures definitely worked. I'm a hundred percent believer in that you, if you want to be in love with someone, you need to get more interesting. You need to have a lot of things going on. You need to make a lot of friends because friends have brothers and cousins and other friends. So just like networking for a job, you need to network for love. Oh.
0: <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so uh, you mentioned earlier that you had dated some celebrities and had some celebrity parties you attended. I know the fans will kill me if I don't ask you uh, who maybe some of them were or anything you could share. We, we've we spilled all okay. the tea on this show. so
1: I know, right? Well, I definitely dated a couple pretty famous boys. I think you recognize the names. If you... Watched Party of Five, that young fella, um, Scott Wolf. I went out with him. I also had a very, I would say, kind of crazy date with Charlie Sheen.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Tell me the Charlie Sheen date because I've got Charlie Sheen gossip. So please tell me the Charlie Sheen date.
1: Oh, dear. So I'd met him out at a a little bar near where I lived as a flight attendant. It was in Westwood area. And uh, he... He had a buddy and he said, why don't you bring your girlfriend and we'll we'll all go out for drinks. And we had thought that he had just got out of rehab, but he definitely didn't act like he had just gotten out of rehab. Yeah. So he uh, asked us to, to hang out with them. We went and met at the friend's condo, which seemed like it was pretty close to there. And uh, we were all hanging out and... My girlfriend is engaged, not interested in the guy, really just acting as a chaperone for me. Cause I'm like, I don't know where this is gonna go. I don't really know this guy. He seems kind of crazy, but let's just see where it goes. So we're hanging out and he is getting wasted. And I just kept looking at my friend, like, how are we gonna get out of this situation? In my head, I thought this was gonna be dirty dancing. I'm gonna end up with Charlie Sheet. I already have in my head like what I'm wearing to the wedding, you know. And I just watched <laughs> him act like so awful in front of me to my friend. And then um, I finally said, you know, we're just we're just gonna have to leave now. I'm, you know, it's just I'm, I'm getting really uncomfortable. And he said, I don't know what you want to put on the on the air about this next sentence, but right out of his mouth, he said, uh, "So I'm not gonna get my, you know, what now?" And I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> never would have thought of that in a million years. wait
0: what was the you know what just so I know
1: blowjob so oh was, so I'm not
0: going to get a blowjob now okay yeah. wow
1: and if I could have I'd have slapped him across the face I mean I left I couldn't get out of there fast enough so um, you know I he ended up being as awful as you would expect <laughs>
0: I am not surprised by this story. Actually, the story that I had heard around town, I, I probably around the same time you would have been seeing him. What was the year that this took place?
1: I would say that was like 80... No, I'm sorry, 91 or two.
0: I was hanging out in Beverly Hills a lot and I was in the party circuit and all this and I was very young. I was like in my early 20s at this time and the word on the street cuz he was out and about was that he was dating a girl who was a stripper and her name was Sheena or Shayna or something like that and no not Shayna Shay cuz i know we're talking about Rules, <laughs> a different Shayna gorgeous girl and he was supposedly seeing her and kind of obsessed with her everybody at this point in time didn't know charlie sheen was like a a scoundrel. Everybody thought he was this really and good-looking, awesome actor, right? And right. so it was really shocking, this gossip, that he was dating this girl because she was like a uh, 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 maybe a high-paid prostitute or stripper. And he was like in love with her. like He was yeah. regularly seeing her. So a lot of people are like, how does someone like Charlie Sheen fall in love with a prostitute, like pretty woman kind of, you know? Uh but this was the gossip. So it was all over town, and it was really hot gossip at the time. Now you guys wouldn't think it's that big a deal. But back in the day, his reputation was, like, perfect. <laughs> and then there was some other girl's name flying around, Ginger. Yeah, so- and, you
1: know, yeah. before you go on, I have to tell you, part of my story was while we were sitting there, he was texting that girl. Her name was Ginger. And even when I knew him, everybody he had just broken up with her. And I said... To my friend, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that girl is, you know, uh escort. Um, but the way he acted and talked about her, that was part of what was so annoying about this whole thing was why are you talking about someone else when you're on a date with me? (laughs) So um he was in love with her, I could tell.
0: So you guys, this is really the bottom line, right? What (laughs) people didn't know was that Charlie Sheen actually would fall in love. He would hire prostitutes or pick up girls at strip clubs, and he would actually build these big relationships with them around drugs and partying and sex, right? Which is no big deal now to know because we know it all came out. But at this Mm -hmm. time, everybody thought that, you know, he was this pucker, A-plus, you know, actor. And so to hear this dribble out. I
1: I thought I hit the boyfriend lottery. I was just, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I was for this date. And I really had expected someone so much more Nice, and he turned out to be rotten to the core, and I was so sad. But you know, after having been in LA for a while, you get used to the fact that they are not what they seem on camera.
0: Oh yeah, and and I mean, it shows to what happened to Brooke Mueller and Denise Richards, the the hell mm-hmm. she went through. I, you know, he's wow, yeah, yeah, he's a bad- he's, <laughs> he's a he's a bad guy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so I love it. Thank you for that story. Do you ever, do you have any Matt Dillon stories?
1: I don't have Matt Dillon stories. He, you know, in back in those days, I don't even know that those guys were really anything. You know, I had kind of like the Richard Gere, Cindy Crawford, you know, that kind of group of people that were on my flights, Al Pacino, Winona Ryder, Stevie Wonder. I mean, we had back in those days, I was working out of LA and so the LA New York flights you just get on and look up the the manifest and go, they only have the last name and the first initial. And you'd be like, well, if it's a Pacino and an A, I'm pretty sure Al Pacino's on our flight today. You know, <laughs> so, um, you know, it was really, really exciting days. And, you know, we used to hang out at uh, Eddie Murphy's house all the time and, you know, we uh, my girlfriends and I and, and even one of my other sisters used to we kind of ran that party circuit like you did as well.
0: So uh, what was Eddie Murphy like? I never I, I, I have a quick Matt Dillon story, actually. I used to live in Greenwich, Connecticut for a while, for a few years. And Matt Dillon uh, lived near Greenwich, Connecticut. I know <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> random, but he did. And so we used to always see him at the diner and all mm-hmm. die for him. Like we all wanted to hook up with him so badly, but we were really young. Yeah, I was like 16 or something. And he's, you know, I don't know what, like early 20s. But uh, he used to date a girl and around Greenwich and we'd see him around and stuff. Quiet guy. But I just remember uh, it's so random that he was in Greenwich, Connecticut. How you doing today? I'm hanging over the abyss by a fucking thread, Kenny. So So uh, listeners, if anyone has a Greenwich, Connecticut, Matt Dillon story, please send it to me. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So what was it like going to Eddie Murphy's uh parties? Like, what was that like?
1: Well, you know, he had bought Cher's old house. So Cher had designed it like uh, an Egyptian kind of a theme. So the big front door was like a pyramid door that slid across. And, um, he had like, she bought it lock, stock and barrel. So it was just decorated so beautifully. I just remember, how amazing it was and i would get invited to the parties and drive up in my little honda civic you know i mean i had no money i was just a, a flight attendant in those days and you know and we would come in it would be denzel washington and just lots and lots of famous people coming in and out and uh you know he was really quiet he's definitely an introvert he liked having a lot of friends around you know all his crew from i believe jersey they all were there and, um, you know, it's a very tight group of people. The parties were super mellow. They knew they could invite me and my friends because we wouldn't like make a scene or, you know, do anything stupid. And, you know, nothing ever crazy happened. But I will tell you a short story. And I promised Thea that I would tell her the story. So um, I, I had a friend, let's just call her a friend, who she and I were invited to the Eddie Murphy house uh, for a party. And everyone was excited because Denzel was going to be there. And this is during the heyday of Denzel. He is doing like top of the line. He got an Oscar. Um, So he was like on Oprah the week before. Everyone was thrilled that he was coming to this house. And my friend and I had bought these like, hey, back in the day, you know, people didn't have extensions like they do now. And we had to, we saw these fake hair things. And so we decided to wear them to this party. I had a ponytail and she had long, you know, curly hair coming down and a little cap on top. And so we were sitting on this white couch, this big white couch that has the sides of it are higher than your head, you know, so you're kind of like in this little alcove. And it's my friend and it's in between us sitting with us is Denzel Washington and me. And we're drinking this little glass of some kind of cognac or something like that. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, I think Denzel is like flirting with me. You know, I couldn't believe it. And so also flirting with the friend. So. I'm thinking in the back of my head, isn't this like the father of the year? You know, he's talking about how he just had babies. And I'm like, wait, why is why he doing that? But the other side of me is like, I'm Denzel, really? <laughs> so I went to go, I must have left for a couple of minutes. And when I came back, my friend and Denzel were gone. And I was like, dang it, where'd they go? Now, you know, it wasn't but maybe 10, 15 minutes later. I see my friend walking towards me and she's very pale faced normally. And her face is like bright red. The cap is like askew. The hair is crooked. (gasps) And I'm like, oh, and she's just dying of embarrassment. He took her into the laundry room to make out with her. And when he ran his hands through her hair, it fell off her head. And they couldn't find the light switch to get it back on straight so of course, they were just busting up laughing. And I couldn't believe it. First of all, I was like, he picked her. Okay, that was like, I was upset. About that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> once that's know- once that passed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once I got over that, I was like, well, dang, you embarrass yourself. Like, you know, that was just a humiliating, I'm sure experience for her. But I never ever looked at these guys who were all Mr. Family and, you know, put in on these shows and everything that They will ever most of them are cheating. And that kind of brings us, you know, to this topic that we're discussing about uh, Raquel, which is um, all those people in Hollywood cheat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's disturbing, isn't it? (laughs) It's just terrible.
1: It's kind of sad when you see like your idols like that. But then again, you do meet idols that absolutely surpass what you think that they're going to be like. And that you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person was even cooler than I thought. You know, like one flight, I sat and talked to Katie Couric for six hours, just about her life and people. And it was just like a crazy experience that you normally wouldn't have with with uh, someone so famous like that. Being a flight attendant back in those days didn't have computers and no phones. We had an old movie up on the screen. So they superstars love talking to us because we were used to them. And we also were pretty knowledgeable about what was going on in the world and you know, kind of normal. So they love talking to us.
0: Well, it's funny you bring up Katie Corrick as being super cool because her daughter, Caroline Monahan, actually interviewed me for her channel. She has like a channel and occasionally we'll have people on. And I was so honored that Caroline, her daughter, asked me to go on her channel. And we had such a beautiful chat. And she's such a good, I mean, she's a good girl. She's a woman, but I mean, by my standards, because she's so young, you know, she's like a a little girl still to me, I guess. Uh, But she was so, just so charming and a beautiful person. You could tell she's a a great soul. And I thought, gosh, not only did Katie Couric have this epic career, now I find out from you, she's an amazing person when she's not on camera. But then she also is a fabulous mother because she formed Caroline Monahan into such a beautiful young lady. You know, it's just really such an accomplishment, especially given the fact that her husband dies only two years after Carrie is born. That's Caroline's like na- nickname. I mean, to do all that. By yourself. It, she does end up marrying a wealthy guy 10 years down the line or so, but she really just brought it, you know, career wise, dealing with so many obstacles, raising two children on her own, dealing with the loss of a parent. It's a lot. Her husband died of cancer. Just an impressive lady.
1: Yeah, I mean, she was an amazing woman. And to just sit with an ordinary person like me and making me feel so special and so you know, like I was interesting when she was the one I thought was so interesting. And she was just, we had a bunch of famous people up there and she was just ripping on all of them in a sarcastic, funny way. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, those days we didn't have selfies or anything like that. So all the people I met, I just have my memories of it. And that is definitely one of my favorites.
0: I love it. I'm so glad that she, because I had no idea. I I didn't ask Caroline about her mom out of respect, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for the situation. Uh, I don't think that's fair you know, so I didn't ask her, but I was dying to know, like, is your mom cool? (laughs) What's the story with your mom? Yeah, Yeah, right. Exactly. Thank you for those wonderful stories. Let's talk about how you meet Raquel Levis Mm -hmm. uh, and what your sort of interaction with Raquel Levis is and her family. And, you know, let's get into that now.
1: Sure. So as a recruiter for Miss California, as I said, anybody who wanted to sign up, who hadn't previously won a pageant that was an entry level into Miss California. You can be a contestant as long as you pay the entrance fee and you pass your background check and also sit through an interview with me. So on um, the first year that I did it, uh, Raquel came in with her mom and she had not as far as I remember competed in any pageants before. And she was still not quite able to do miss or she could have done but we decided to keep her in the teen category which I think ends at 19. So she came on board and um, when we did the interview we're trying to come up with her title and she loves the beach so uh, we couldn't do Malibu because you do have to win that one and we decided to come up with Paradise Cove because it does represent part of Malibu and it's a beautiful name and it looks great on a sash. Yeah, it's so hilarious.
0: We- Cause you guys who don't know what Paradise Cove is, it's a little inlet area where there's a cool restaurant called Paradise Cove. And mm-hmm. there's uh a bunch of uh what do they call those houses on wheels? A mobile home. It's a it mm-hmm. has a big mobile home park, but these mobile homes, you guys, go for Fantastic. a half million and up. Yeah. Yeah. Least- I-, I think now they're like a million and up in this area. So you, you know, when you think mobile home, I know you don't think million dollars, but yes, in this area it is because there's a beach. So it's a community of these little like tiny houses, uh, if you want to imagine it with a super cool restaurant and it has Mm -hmm. its own beach. And so people love this little neighborhood and it's highly sought after. Okay. Go ahead. and,
1: And many things have been filmed there. So once you look at it, you see it all the time. Lots of commercials, a lot of TV shows are filmed in that area cuz it's the best little beachy area to do it and there's cliffs on one side. So anyways, we we had a session where we just decided on that title. And then after that, we worked together quite a few times. Um I held boot camps where I would um train the girls in all the different things that you need to know about um participating in a pageant. I'd only done one. Uh I tried to be in Miss Ohio back when I was like first year of college. And I was so bad at it. I couldn't believe how bad I was at it because I thought, I'm pretty. I'm a cheerleader. You know, everyone likes me. I'm going to go be in a pageant. And, you know, it was a disaster. And so <laughs> I thought I thought to myself, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them what I did wrong and we're going to fix it and we're going to make it right. So I did all these boot camps and we did lots and lots of promotion for Miss California Um, everybody wanted me to contact my girls if we there was a party um, you know many events that we did and the girls that I liked the best were the ones that I would of course invite because I couldn't take all of them so I would have to kind of choose so um, Raquel and her mom Laura were my favorite people to call and the ones that I called the most because I knew she would show up she Always looked perfect. And her mom was someone I could depend on to be there and helpful and always volunteering to do whatever we needed. If there was something that had to be run an errand or, you know, someone was not feeling well, whatever, we knew that her mom, who was just the most nurturing person out of all the moms, would help us.
0: Wow. I'm kind of, I was quiet because I was thinking, wow. For the full scoop, head to our Patreon page. Click the coin icon on your player to check it out.